0: Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30 for 30% off. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley, and today I'm talking with my dad. When I was back home on vacation, I went down to Alabama and got to catch up with my my dad and uh, talk a bit about his experience growing up in northern Michigan and hunting in the U.P., he grew up with a, a strong deer camp culture, very similar to here in Wisconsin. And that's something that I really missed out on as a kid growing up down in Alabama. The hunting, hunting camp, hunting club culture is a lot different in the South than it is here uh, in Wisconsin or in states like Michigan and Pennsylvania that just have these really, really rich, deep deer camp traditions. And so it was cool to just sit down with him, hear some stories about deer that they killed, uh, shenanigans that they pulled, uh, pranks that they pulled on each other, and just good times and hear all the special memories that he has of a camp called Jones Camp in the UP of Michigan. Hunting was very, very different then than it is now for many people. Uh, you know, the hunting media and other things having contributed and created this, this idea now that hunting is a very solo sport, right? Like it's something that we do all on our own and the whole point of hunting is to go and be by ourselves, and us against the animal and uh, it was a very different vibe that I'm getting from these stories that my dad was telling me and uh, you know it's much more about the camaraderie much more about the friends that were made um, a bunch more about uh, just setting aside that special time every year when you got to share camp with these people and so uh, yeah, had a great conversation catching up with him. So this is actually a two-part conversation that we had. We ended up talking for like three hours or something like that. It's the first uh, first podcast my dad had ever done. And, um, you know, I think it, it surprised him just how quickly uh, the whole thing kind of flew by as we started sharing stories and even reminiscing a bit about my childhood and Uh, getting out in the woods in south alabama and hunting together and so uh anyway so we broke this episode down into two this is going to be part one want to let you know about a couple things number one if you would like to support us as a podcast you can you can head over to uh, our patreon page and support us there there are a couple of different tiers each tier has some different benefits that you receive as a patron of the wisconsin sportsman podcast so if you would like to give back to this podcast then please do Also want to let you know that this podcast episode is brought to you by Overwatch Outdoors, makers of the Transformer and the Orion Tree Saddle. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I've been hunting out of a saddle for a couple of years now, made the switch this year to the Orion Tree Saddle. It is by far the most comfortable thing I've ever sat in. The Transformers are a really cool saddle too, but just turns out I'm a a single panel kind of guy. I I prefer the, the one piece of material rather than two different uh, two different pieces. So, anyway, both of the saddles are fantastic. If you're wondering which one might be right for you, head over to overwatchoutdoors.net, or you can reach out to Jamie, the owner of the company, and he'll get you squared away. With all that stuff out of the way, let's get into the episode now with my dad, Brian Sutton. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is my dad, Brian. What's going on?
1: How you doing, Josh?
0: I'm doing well. We're down here for vacation. We took... uh nine or 10 days or so to come down to Alabama and hang out with family spent the first part of the uh, vacation time that we had up in North Alabama with my wife's family spent the second half of it down here with you and mom and uh, hopefully going to get to see some other family tomorrow down here in deep 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 South Alabama
1: yeah we're gonna do a barbecue
0: yeah it's gonna be pretty good gonna be pretty good I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, so kicking things off here, you know, this is going to be a BS session, kind of a classic. We're just sitting around, hanging out, having a conversation. Uh, but I do want to just say, let's kick it off. Who are you? What do you do? How'd you get into hunting and fishing? Uh, how did you instill a passion for hunting and fishing in your kid so that now he does crazy stuff like record podcasts? (laughs)
1: So I'm Brian Sutton. I, uh, I grew up in northern Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula, the east end of it. And uh, my dad, he, uh, he hunted for uh, most, well, all my life and, and well before. Um, and he introduced me to hunting. It, uh, I moved to Alabama about uh, 1997. Met uh, your mother, Shortly after that, and moved to Mobile because she wasn't moving up north. And north meant Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> she is she is true Southern.
0: Yeah, that should tell the listeners just a little bit about where we actually are in Alabama. If Huntsville, Alabama, is up north,
1: yeah, we're down near Mobile, a little bit north in Mobile County, just uh, kind of in the woods, and uh, that's that's where we that's where we hang out. We hang out in the woods. We try not to go to the city too much. <laughs>
0: I don't think we've, I haven't been to the city since I've been here.
1: Uh, stay away from the city. It'll make you soft.
0: It'll make you soft. Yeah, we've uh, we've had a good time. Uh, I even tried to chase some turkeys around. Uh, I'm not positive that there is a single turkey within a mile of your property.
1: No, I never see turkeys. I mean, I do see turkeys. Some seasons of field to fill up with them. And I've never really seen a, uh, I've seen some jakes. I've never seen a full gobbler.
0: Never seen a tom, so.
1: But I'm not a big turkey hunter, as you know. I'm, I'm more of deer, and, and, and I like to fish. And, and, uh, but uh, somebody told me a long time ago in Thomasville, Alabama, that if I got into turkey hunting, I would never go back, and I would be too hooked on it. And I'm afraid to tell you mother I'm hooked on another uh, hobby.
0: <laughs> it's probably for the best. I tell you, I... I got hooked on it pretty bad. I mean, it's you know, hunt turkey hunting is a little bit different where where I'm at now up in Wisconsin, but um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a quite a pastime. But so, how how did you get into hunting in general? So your dad hunted while you were growing up. What what all did he hunt for?
1: He was uh, he did small game, but he and and partridge um, and rabbit. And so when I was about probably nine or ten it, you had to be in, in Michigan the law was you had to be 12 years old before get a hunter's safety and so I was every bit 12 took hunter's safety went hunting it was small game hunting it was rabbits it was it was partridge and uh, and my dad took me with him um, the first deer season after I was 12. And and I had a small game permit, and I got to go kind of just sit with them in the woods, and uh, and uh, we went to a hunting camp that uh, in the in the north, that uh, Upper Peninsula, Fiber, Michigan. We got a hat somewhere here. The Jones Camp, Jones Camp, established I think nineteen fifty five, something like that, right? Yep, yep. It's behind me. You can see it better than I can. I think I can't even see it. It's you oh, know, it we're I sitting here to paint the hat.
0: to paint the picture for you guys. We're sitting here in a room surrounded by uh weapons, deer heads and hats on the wall and fish. So uh we are in the man room of the house. Is what we call it.
1: Yes. Yes. Where I watch sports and have all my mm-hmm. hunting stuff.
0: So there's a there's a hat in here somewhere that says Jones Camp with the establishment date on there but we can't find
1: it. No. I hope I didn't lose it. It's, it's the last here. one I know available. But anyway, we went to that camp, and uh, and uh, we stayed in Sault Ste. Marie with my grandparents and uh, drove in every morning. And the next year, um, kids were not allowed at that camp. It was a family friend camp, it, it's, and I'll explain that at some point. Was, but uh, I got invited to stay on the weekend. And, uh, I remember my dad telling me that it was really special that, uh, that, uh, no kid has ever, been. one, one kid was invited one time and, and he wa- walking around and he found a bear that was wounded and he went tracking the bear and, the, and Charlie Jones, Jones camp and Charlie Jones was the owner of the camp. And he got so mad that he never invited that kid back. He had to make him leave.
0: Wow, because he had followed a, a wounded bear. Followed
1: a wounded bear. It was. He, he, you know, they put him on a stand, and they said, "You stay here and don't go wandering off." And find out um, it was tracking a blood trail of a, of a wounded bear. That upset Charlie a great deal, just uh, the dangerousness of it. And so, uh, I was invited to stay. He, he took a liking to me. He was a, he was an older gentleman. I say that he's probably not much older than I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> he felt old at the time, but now that you look back, <laughs> but he probably wasn't as old. But uh, especially now that I'm about that age, you know, grandparent. But uh, anyway, so so my dad would take me, and uh, he uh, he had to be fourteen to hunt deer in Michigan legally. And uh, now that the statute of limitation is over, my dad used to give me a slug and my shotgun. And uh, I'd put it in there and he says, if you see a game warden, he said, take it back out and just put birdshot in it. You'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I was, a, I was a rambunctious little child and, and I didn't sit still long enough to be able to see a deer in the woods anyway. And yeah. it was cold. I froze to death.
0: So let, let's go into that, that camp experience just a little bit. So Jones camp was a family friend camp.
1: Well, Charlie Jones had 40 acres in the middle of, uh, and his brother Bob had 40 acres in the middle of state land off of this old road they called the Biscuit Road in Fiber, Michigan.
0: So we're Michigan. talking big woods, just uh, monotonous timber kind of stuff? or
1: Hundreds of thousands of acres, yeah. state land, state and federal land. Yeah. and uh, But they had this little, off this little dirt, What we would call down here a little two-track road or leaked in road up down here, but uh, up north they call it a two-track, and it it made a big loop. Um, Back in the Depression age, they had a uh, they had a group called the uh, CC camps, where men would go and work in the CC camps and build all these roads and fire roads and stuff in the forest. And Bob and Charlie both lived in that area and joined the CC camps out there and built a lot of those fire break roads and all these two tracks and stuff like that. That was part of how they survived through the Depression. The government sponsored these roads. And uh, anyway, so he he owned the land. his son uh, was about my dad's age. Um, and... Uh, and, he, and, and, and his friends, my dad was one of them, and about five, six, seven other guys, they all came out to that camp. And uh, outhouse in the back, no running water, a little spring outside to pump water into. And, and it was a, about a two-room camp. And uh, later, fortunately, they had indoor plumbing because I got to use an outhouse. I wasn't, uh, it wasn't as fun as, uh, as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so anyway he uh we got invited there and uh, the camp is 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 very um a bunch of friends get together they donate a little bit of money into a coffee cup to help pay some of the bills and uh, you know back then maybe in the 70s you pay one two hundred dollars just to help pay for fuel, oil, and some food and stuff. And and there was an older gentleman there. Um, he was a cook on tugboats, and he didn't hunt much. He just liked to come up and cook. So he was he, he had really good food, and and um, it was just a bunch of characters, uh, and and they all got along and they played cards at night. I mean, they, they joked around with me and. I played poker with them. I was 13, 14 years old playing poker. and They used to tease because uh, I'd go running into the other room. and have a good hand. I'd be out of money. I'd say, Dad, Dad, I need some money. I need some money. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, he'd, he'd just go get it in my wallet. And, uh, but I used to lose a lot of uh, nickels, dimes, and quarters from them. I'd save all year long for that. And, but it was it was really good times, and, and the other camps would come visit, and, and uh, we very seldom went to other camps, but we, they'd come to us and visit, play cards, all my dad's, all about my dad's age, and all friends of him, his, and it was just a unique experience. They played a lot of jokes on me. Uh, <laughs> I was about 13, 14 years old, and I'd get to, they'd get to talk, and they'd say, oh, yeah, the neighbors, they have that. That, that granddaughter of Mr. Fountain, she was up walking around the road, you know, 13, 14, a girl. And uh, yeah, yeah, was, I'd downplay it. Pretty soon, I'd grab a shotgun or a rifle, and I'd, I'm going to take a walk up this way for a little while. <laughs> I'd be waiting to see that girl, but they probably back in the cabin just laughing as loud as they could be. They sent me one time down the road after it was, we were playing cards, it was after dark, and uh, after dinner, I had to wash dishes every night, and uh, that was my job, which was fine with me, but they sent me down the road, and uh, they said, a, a guy had pulled in, he said, I saw a deer just up the road. Oh, Brian, go get a gun, and take that flashlight, and go see if you see that deer, Somebody put some eyeballs out there as reflectors, and uh, I walked up and walked around the corner. I didn't see anything. I flashed light. I didn't see anything, and I came back. You didn't I didn't hear you shoot. How come you didn't shoot? I said, I didn't see anything. Come on, you got to go a little further. I go up. I didn't, and they... they, I guess they figured I didn't fall for it, but in tr- <laughs> the reality was I was scared of the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I figured a coyote or something would come get me, and uh,
0: <laughs> hadn't gone very far, huh?
1: I didn't. I didn't stray too far away. It. Uh, it. Yeah, uh, you know, they would play all kinds of things like that. It, but it was. It was. It was a good time. You got to hunt anywhere you want. thousands of acres of land.
0: Yeah, so talk, talk a little bit about that, where you guys were located. So it was a 40-acre piece of property, but everything around you was open hunting.
1: Never hunted that property ever. Um,
0: Always off the 40.
1: Charlie showed me how to, uh, yeah, I don't even know where the boundaries were. Charlie showed me where how to, how to, how to snare a, a, a rabbit on his property it was but it wouldn't have mattered to me if it was other land because i didn't i didn't even know where the 40 acres began and ended it which direction it went it just didn't matter it was just woods all around you had a few neighbors before you got to his cabin and uh, you walked down this we called it the biscuit road and uh, it went i think seven or nine miles through till it hit a paved road from one paved road to another paved road and all of it was federal and state land open to hunting and you could go anywhere off of that road at any time and hunt anywhere and it was it was really phenomenal if you think about it and it's still like that today i mean there's a couple more places from what i understand i talked to a few people up there recently but um, it's still that way it's just state and federal land it's not ever going to get sold you can go hunt and there was times that uh, I've hunted off some roads were twelve miles long, and I only knew of one other guy hunting it. Wow. You know, it was, it was, and that's where I got my beginning. Um,
0: lots of room, lots of room to yourself. I mean, I imagine, yeah. you know, as an adult, you look at that and you're like, "Man, this is hundreds of thousands of acres. This is a lot of land." Yeah. But as a kid, you might as well have been in a different country yeah. when you were there. I mean, it, it that had to feel like the like the Yukon wilderness.
1: A little bit, but I grew up, you know, in, and I grew up in the area. And to me, city was the wilderness, mm. right? towns and cities. I just, to me, out in the country, is just should be land that you should go to. And, yeah. Uh, a little bit different than how you grew up. Yeah. Right? Um, yep. Where where you get on somebody's land or you walk up and land and somebody will tell you, hey, you're on my land. What are you doing? Yep. Get off. Yeah. And, uh, so it it was a little bit normal. And as I got older, you know, 14, 15, they began to trust me. They would tell me how to go from the biscuit road to the railroad tracks following the ridges and never really hit the swamp, Hmm. the swales, they call them swales and never really get my feet wet. Now I jumped a lot of deer doing that and I didn't get a shot at any of them. (laughs) But I actually made it from the road to the railroad tracks, exhausted and tired. But it was a, it was, and then I end up, you know, three four miles up the railroad tracks, have to walk back down. And, uh, but I, had, you know, it's just, uh, I hunted the railroad tracks. Statue limitations are over on that. It was, uh, but it was, it was. I wasn't the only one doing it. and It was good time. Uh, my favorite uh, hunts were. Uh, we're on uh, a hard snow we'd get six seven eight inches of snow and it turned sunny the next day and the deer would come crossing that railroad tracks headed headed south to the deer yards that's that's what they would say they're heading south and probably headed to the deer yards and uh you know we'd see a deer all all the time crossing there wow Way so you, back, way back in the day, when my dad he uh, he said on a good on a good full moon night, he was done playing cards. He took snowmobile a few miles up there and sat and he said, all the deer crossed, but they were way up the road, way up the tracks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and by the way, we we don't condone <laughs> illegal hunting behavior at this point. Oh no, we're no, talking in no. a different era, a different That's world, right. uh totally different mindset about. Hunting and the way
1: all of that was statute limitations run off and I wouldn't do it today.
0: That's right. It's all, it's, it's all in the past. so far we've talked underage hunting. We've talked, uh, hunting in illegal areas. We've talked hunting at night. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're building quite a reputation.
1: We are, but, uh, you know, we follow the law now I mean, and, and, <laughs> and, for the most part we did back then. Sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, we didn't, uh, Never go spotlighting and kill a deer. Never, never go shining. I, you know, I got a light right out here in the backyard. And we watched the deer, pricey deer out there this evening. And, uh, and we won't, uh, we never even, ever even think about shooting them.
0: Well, you never have.
1: Well, you, you like to, you like to <laughs> contemplate it. But, uh, but, Especially
0: uh, that one night we were sitting here and the big buck came out in the backyard. It was, that was, that was painful.
1: I think your wife gave you good counsel okay. that night.
0: Yeah, he, that was very, very painful. Yes. And it wasn't very long after sunset. No, it, it was wasn't. It close was, enough. It to, was a
1: nice deer, wasn't
0: it? It was a very nice deer. You never did see that one again, did you? No, no. What because, was he? A, was he a big seven?
1: Yeah, I think it was.
0: And for South Alabama, he was a... He,
1: he, he would have been one that would have hung on the wall.
0: Yeah, he's a good deer. So when you guys would go up to Jones Camp, we're talking... Rifle season or general firearms season?
1: Yeah, we would go. Well, so we would go up there on the weekends, and I had a little dog, and uh, we had some cabins south of Mackinac City, and we we took this dog that I found. He was he was mostly a mutt. He uh, his name was Nicholas, but he had a little bird dog in him, and a little beagle in him, and a little some sort of shepherd in him. And uh, we took him. My dad said, "Let's take him bird hunting." And we walked the woods all by that cabin uh, on this little lake. And across the road, we, we, we walked this whole area. Never jumped a bird. And he said, tomorrow we'll take him up to Fiber. We'll take him up to the hunting camp. I said, Dad. So said, that dog didn't do anything but walk around with us. He said, I suspect something. He said, you'll see. So we got into the woods. And uh, all of a sudden, he started uh, flushing partridge. Wow. And he got good at it. And he never pointed for long, but if you watched him and you knew what he was going to do, you had about three or four seconds to be able to prepare, and he was going to pounce. So
0: you just had to keep up?
1: You just had to keep an eye on him, but he stayed good at staying within 10, 15 feet of you. Just, he was there working in front of you, and all of a sudden he'd get excited and start sniffing And he'd stop for a second and flush. And, wow. Uh, he did real good. I remember one time we were out sighting in the rifles at the cabin, getting ready for deer season, doing a little work around there. And that dog ran off somewhere. We heard some high squeal pitch. Thought, what is that? And I said, oh, I reckon that dog is uh, he out there somewhere chasing on a rabbit. And he come back with the rabbit. Oh, my goodness. That <laughs> <laughs> was, was pretty good. Man. And the squeal we heard was the rabbit. Oh, no. But, uh, but he was a good dog, and, and so I hunted with him, bird hunted up there, you know, when I got 16, 17 years old, and I didn't have to go wait on my dad to be ready to go off work, and I could just go up there, and I'd take that dog, and, and we'd, go, we'd go everywhere, and uh, and bird hunt. When I got lazy, and uh, and you'd see partridge on the road, and, and uh, you'd stop, and you get up, maybe want to shoot it or something. I'd have a .22 or something with me. And that dog, he would go crazy. Mm. He would go crazy wanting to get out of that car, and uh, and uh, and when I did start to, I'd take, I take that did go start getting the hunting stand ready. You know, take apples and start getting the deer. It was legal, still is in Michigan. I believe, and. Uh, He'd go in the woods with me and he'd jump partridge and uh and, and believe it or not he he'd get so mad at me he'd just look at me and said "Why didn't you shoot why didn't you shoot you you just see the words <laughs> coming out of him he uh he wanted to uh he wanted to shoot he wanted he loved that gun he loved the he loved the action
0: wanted to be in on the shot
1: oh my goodness that dog loved to love to be on the shot and um yeah, Josh, I was I was I told you Charlie was he grew up in that area, he grew up in the poor area when he he hunted for food. Him and his brothers, they were given they was they were poor. They lived up in the woods. They had only so much ammunition and they had to make every shot count. And he knew those woods so well. I started hunting a road probably twenty minute drive from the camp down the paved road. You know, fifty-five mile an hour, twenty minutes, and it's a twelve-mile-long road. And he was telling me a spot up there. And it was an old stagecoach road, and he said, "You walk up there." He said, "You'll see a stagecoach um, station." You know, the regular way they would stop with the stagecoach, mm. and there's a well in the ground. And I was determined one year to find it. I'm walking up the road and. I saw some deer cross. Uh, they see so few human beings in that area that they didn't bother with me. I was right in the middle of the road. They were 50 yards in front of me. Wow. They just made their way across. Them. And uh, they looked at me and kept on going, never, never broke stride. They, they stop and, and get follow one another back into the woods. But I found that station. I found the well. And, and, and it's just amazing to me how how all that stayed and the trails are still there. Yeah. And even see the ruts in the road. Wow. And, uh, it, it's amazing. And living down in Alabama, you you have a road, we have a road through the swamp here up to the next ridge. And if I don't tend to that every three years, you won't see it in five. Yep. It'll be grown over. Yep. And, uh so things things just it stay natural for so much longer. Yeah. As, it's kind of it's fun to hunt a deer that has never seen a person.
0: Yeah. Talk, talk. So it's really, really remote, first of all. Second of all, as you've described it, there just aren't a lot of deer up there. And there still aren't. Even today, there that's still aren't right. a lot of deer. And one thing I think that's really important to note is that, you know, in, in Wisconsin – the, the deer hunting culture has always been all right. Everybody head north uh, up to the um, some national forest land that, that they have up there. Huge, vast, expansive woods. Back in the time period that you're talking about was the heyday of hunting in northern Wisconsin. That was when they had had... Um, A combination of factors all came together to create really good deer populations in northern Wisconsin. Um, Clear cutting was going on. Wolves had been basically removed from the landscape. Several uh, mild winters back to back to back to back. Um, So, all of that combined to create this boom in hunting in the north. And as I've talked with folks, um, you know, biologists and stuff with the DNR in Wisconsin, they talk about how that is very much not the norm for that region. It's not normal to have high deer densities that far north. What would be more normal for woods like that would be like what you grew up with mm-hmm. hunting in the UP of Michigan. So I, I think the statistics were, <clears throat> back when I looked it up, when you used to tell me stories about hunting up there when, when I was a kid, And I remember looking it up and and seeing the area where we are down here in Alabama had like 35 deer per square mile. And we didn't always see a ton of deer growing up here, right? Or I didn't growing up here. Up there, it was like six or eight deer per square mile. That's right. And that was probably a generous estimate. That's right. So what, what was it like hunting deer? In a place with very few of them. Cold. Cold. (laughs) When when did y'all start hunting? Well. As far as like time of year.
1: Gun season opens up, and I only hunted gun season. Michigan, like Wisconsin, has a very short season compared to what we do in Alabama. But uh, November 15th, it started. Okay. November 30th, it was over. Wow. So come December 1st, you had to be out of the woods, no more hunting. Wow. And.
0: uh, So you had two weeks to get it done. Two weeks. of the year.
1: 15 days. And, uh, and that was it. And my entire life of hunting in Michigan was, uh, I was going to school or, uh, college or working entry-level jobs that, uh, I only had, you know, two, three days off at a time ever. hunting. I never took a week off. I didn't, I didn't even know what vacation was.
0: definitely back. didn't take a rut-cation. Yeah. Like guys are doing these days.
1: Oh my goodness, no. (laughs) And uh, So I would get, I don't know, uh, the first, you know, I'd probably get six days of hunting total in a a season. Wow. And uh, if I saw, and I had a very good personal, I think it was just personal luck. I had a very good buck to doe ratio. I saw very few does and mostly I saw bucks. I think that was just personal luck a lot of people you know what what the fellas did um either hunted on a very good trail or a where you knew they were crossing roads or the railroad tracks that we described and 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 the railroad company they knew that people were there in fact some railroad workers actually hunted just up from they had regular stands hunted it uh. so it wasn't you know we say well we wouldn't do it today no we wouldn't and and the railroad company wouldn't want you to, but back then it was it was a known thing. Yep. And and, uh, and so it uh, when the train come through now that was a little scary because the trains coming you your eye level with the tracks and that old train rocks back and forth and <laughs> it's <was> a little <laughs> little nerve wracking. Yeah. But uh, but you so you either did that or you you got a bunch of food for the deer and brought them to you. And deer will come to food as we all know. We do the same thing in the south where we where we plant patches. Mm-hmm. And lately Alabama's allowed uh uh putting out corn. Yep. Um everybody put out corn before. Yep. They just got tickets for it if they were unlucky. And uh if you didn't put out corn, you know, your neighbors were going to see more deer. Yep. And so that's uh that's a, that's a truth to it. Um, now, we, you and I were in some hunting clubs down here where corn was forbidden, and that was okay. And uh, we saw some deer, but not in large volumes, but but uh, at least more than I would see in Michigan. Yeah, yeah. So if I saw two deer, three, four, five deer in a season, I did well. Wow. And, wow. Uh, it's... Uh, and I, but I killed uh, I killed some nice a couple nice deer up there, and uh, have some real memorable hunts. And uh, but I missed a pile of deer, Josh, when I was young. Mm. Oh my goodness, I missed a pile of deer. I almost shot a bucket of bullets at deer. And uh, the old fellows, they'd get uh, I, drug, I drug old Charlie Jones. They said, if you shoot one in the lungs, it'll be real dark blood, real dark. I think it's supposed to be pink, but uh, <laughs> knowing what I know now, right, yeah. but yeah. it'll be dark. Mm. Okay. Well, I shot at a deer. It come out. I went up. I looked and I said, oh, that's dark. So I went all the way to the <laughs> camp. I'm talking, I'm three or four miles up a track. I go all the way. I'm almost running back to camp. Come on, Charlie. Come on, Charlie. Come on, Charlie. He's 65, 67 years old. Okay. I'm coming. Drag that poor man all the way up the tracks. He looks down. He says, "That's where you shot." I said, "Yeah." He said, "That's mud." Oh. <laughs> 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 I tell that little bit of embarrassing story to tell this story that uh, that I went and when I killed my first buck, it was a it was a big deer, and uh, and uh, you're looking at it up in the well now it's got yep. 1983 on it. yep and uh,
0: really nice deer.
1: And uh, that deer we'll, we'll get into the weight of that deer in a little bit, but I ran and I was three or four miles from the camp and I ran every bit of that there. I was so exhausted when I busted through the door of the camp and John and Charlie are sitting at the table preparing dinner. Charlie's peeling potatoes. And I said, I shot a deer, I shot a deer, I shot a deer, and it's dead. I touched it. And I sat back down, Charlie got up, and he got a knife, and he says, I don't know, John. He says, I think we need to just sit here and peel some potatoes. That boy, he brought me all the way up them railroad tracks. Remember that a couple years ago? (laughs) And they went back and forth for a while, and I said, Never mind, I'll go figure out how to do it myself. <laughs> I said, settle down. I'm going with you and and so I, we went took the car took the took the truck my dad's truck part way up as far as we could on the road, and then walked all the way in it was it was probably about a mile and a half, maybe two miles back in there, and uh sure enough, I showed him that deer and and uh Charlie was probably seventy. At that time, my late 60s, probably probably 70. And uh, I didn't realize the size of the deer. I didn't appreciate it at that moment. Mm. And um, he said, well, you get it up over here off this knoll. Let's turn it over and we get it on this knoll. And he showed me how to gut it out. And uh, and so I gutted it. And, uh, and then he said, he's looking for a stick and he had rope. And he said, okay, he said, we're going to pull, and you're going to get in on this stick, and the rope's tied to the horns, and, and there was not much snow. And uh, there was a nice trail, but there was not much snow. And he and I pulled that deer all that way out, and we hung that deer on the buck pole, and we cleaned it out good. It was, it was, um, it was a little warm. I drove a 1972 Pinto. I don't even know what that is. It was a '74 Pinto. Maybe they didn't make it in '72. I don't remember. I'm gonna have to Google something. I'm gonna have to
0: Google what a Pinto is.
1: And uh, they're the ones that caught on fire if you got hit in the rear end. Oh god! (laughs) And it was it was uh, completely rusted out. And uh, we were gonna put that deer on the top, and somebody said, "No, that might crush that poor car." Oh no! (laughs) So we slid that deer inside that car. And I took it back home and I took it to the processor. You got it? I'm,
0: I just Googled a Pinto. You got it inside of that? We did. The, okay.
1: The, the head was right up in the dashboard and the <laughs> butt was at the, at the hatch. <laughs> and I took it across the Mackinac Bridge. And I don't even know if they counted it as one of the deer, but it was sitting right next to me when I played the toll. And, uh, and so <laughs> I took that deer and I hung it in the rafters. And, and my parents would not be happy about this. But uh hung it in the rafters at the, in, the, in their garage. I don't know where my parents were. My dad might have been at the hunting camp. And, and my mother probably was in Green Bay, Wisconsin. She went with her friend every year around Thanksgiving. Ah. And uh, and so um, I had some people over. And, you know, I was probably, I think I was 18 I had some people over drinking ages 21. Yeah, I violated that too.
0: Man, we were breaking but, uh, so many laws on this episode. But, oh, my uh, goodness. I apologize. It's <laughs> statute of
1: limitations, right? That's right? I don't condone that, young people. That's don't right.
0: Do it. Don't drink until you're 21, then do so
1: responsibly. Better to almost be a teetotaler at this point. <laughs> However, so I had people over. I took them down. I showed them that deer. The next morning, I had to take it to the processor. And it was a bad ice storm. It was real icy and slippery. I put that deer in the car. And I get out at the processor, and I walk in. And there's four guys talking to the processors there. And there's this really nice, that was probably about an 11, 12-point deer. Nice horns. And the guy's telling the story. And I just listened to a story. It was a good story. I don't remember it now, but it was a good story. He was telling how that deer came out. He was excited. And so I'm standing there, and the processor guy, he was a—he was the dad of a, a female friend of mine. He looked at me. He was a gruff fellow. What can I do for you? I said, well, I have a deer. What do I do? Do I just bring it in? Yeah, 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 go get it. Do you need help? I said, "Nah, I got it. No problem. So I open up the Pinto, and I get the out and I drug it out onto the ice, and I slide that deer in. And I remember, as I'm coming in the door, this guy's starting to tell a story again. And I'm dragging this deer across the uh, across the uh, pavement. It's getting heavier, and uh, pretty soon I looked at uh, the people and they're listening to the story. And one of them looked at my way and then he started staring. And then the other one kind of looked. Pretty soon everybody's looking at me, but the guys telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he he got to, he he finally looked and nobody was paying attention to him and he looked around and he looked at the deer that i was dragging in he's he just shut up and he left <laughs> and, and, and this thing dressed out I, I don't know how heavy it was it had to be 325 pound deer not dressed up but it had to be when i hung it in the rafters in the garage i couldn't get the butt off the floor Wow. Uh, eight foot rafters. The butt was dragging the floor. I couldn't wow. even come close to getting it off the floor. Yeah. And that other guy's deer was, a, I don't know, half the size. Wow. And and his horns could have fit inside the horns of this one. I, I didn't appreciate it because the deer on the buck pole next to it were just as big. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was my first taste of deer hunting. When I killed one a couple of years later the next year, I went in, I got so much deer meat off of that deer, I was box after box after box, I drug to the car. The next year I brought in the same processor, it was like a spike, I brought it in, I go to get the meat, and I said, where's the rest of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that old he didn't like me anyway. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I didn't take any meat of you. That's all of it right there. <laughs>
0: oh my goodness. I so thought you were getting after him a little bit.
1: I didn't know any better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was, I had box after box after box of the first one. I don't get <laughs> one and a half boxes out of this one. <laughs> uh, were Was that
0: a typical, like, I mean, obviously that the deer's body was huge. Is Was that typical for, for where you guys were hunting? in that part of michigan to have huge body size
1: i I, the amazing thing is there were three deer taken off of that one stand one was a large spike probably 16 inches long
0: okay big
1: fat horns
0: so mature deer just a
1: spike he was maybe the biggest one biggest body yeah and really the other was i think a, maybe a 10 point with a similar body okay but i hadn't seen any other deer about that size since interesting and uh any deer i've killed that uh that, that 11 point there and but it was 12 miles up the road or 20 minute drive and 12 miles down that dirt road that uh he was he was average. I mean, he was he was a average Michigan deer. You'd see maybe in Wisconsin or northern Wisconsin. I know you got bigger deer. Southern part of the state has more deer and bigger bodies because they're corn fed and get the fields like where you live in Wisconsin. Sure, but uh, just didn't have that. Uh, I don't know what they were on. They were, they were some healthy deer that year, and it could have been that we had a couple of real easy winters. Yeah. Yep. where there was food available. and uh, So I, I, I suspect that had a lot to do with it, maybe a couple of mild winters.
0: Mm. Tell me about the stand you killed that deer from then. So <clears throat> The first one? Yeah, you said you killed three from it, or th- there were three deer killed there from were it? three,
1: yeah. I, it was um, one of my dad's friends, uh, Leroy Bumstead's stand that he made.
0: Um, that he made. So what are you, what are you hunting from? I gotta, I gotta hear this. These days I'm hunting with ultra light climbing sticks and a tree saddle with some ropes that go around the tree. I can get in any tree anywhere, anytime, hang upside down from it. And it all weighs about 10 pounds. You were hunting in something a little different.
1: Oh yeah. We didn't even dream of climbing a tree. <laughs> I mean, I don't even, I don't even think it was legal to climb a tree. Yeah. And if I had friends that did it, they used to just climb a tree and sit on a, on a limb. Oh, yeah. And, uh, no, we had a lot of spruce trees, a lot of pines. And he cut out the bottom of this pine, and the limbs all came around it, and there was a nice opening in it. He had a nice seat brought in there and uh, some boards to kind of put stuff on. And uh, it was mostly natural cover. Yeah. And I shot that first deer. That deer... A second time I shot at a deer, he took me back there one year and I couldn't sit still long enough. And I, I one came out and surprised me and I missed it. Uh, I shot probably three feet over its head and, uh, <laughs> similar, similar type deer. It was about an eight point. Wow. And, uh, but at this one here, I, I don't think it was, it was 25 yards away. Came right out. It was a windy, windy.
0: This one you shot Yeah. at 25 yards. Yeah. So, wow. Okay.
1: And then I shot it three times in the head cause it wasn't getting away from me. Oh, <laughs> it had so much blubber on it, Josh. Every time I kicked it, it moved cause it was blubber. Oh my goodness. And so you fat, shoot it again. It was a fat deer. Oh, <laughs> I said, there's no way this deer is getting away from me. <laughs> oh
0: my goodness.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we, um, but but Leroy had uh, had killed the other two in yeah. there and uh, just a, it was a phenomenal season at his stand and yeah. his son hunted up a, a little north of him and and his son was more of a maybe a modern type hunter where he, he would pass on the younger deer i just killed anything that came out that was legal and uh, just cuz i and and you know me even after you came along and we were hunting together. I'd I'd still kill some deer. Sure, yeah. And yeah. now I'm not so mad at them, and I'm yeah. little, I, I I watch them more than I shoot.
0: Well, you didn't. You never really, since I've known you, you've not been like a spike killer, no, or anything like that. You've it's been two year old deer or older. Try to typically. Yeah. I mean, you you're there, you're not shooting yearlings out there, yeah. but, um, you know, a nice two year old basket rack, seven or eight walks out.
1: Yeah. Not going to let that go. Couldn't, couldn't stand to pass on that. Uh-uh. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's a little bit different too, you know, in, uh, down here in Alabama, you get three bucks. And when I was a kid, yeah. when I was a kid, remember we got two deer a day. Yeah. One of which could be an antlered buck. That's right. That's so right. you could kill for the entire season. I don't know how many days it was, but it used to start on October 15th. Right. Bo Back season. in the day, oh, both Bo seasons season started October yeah. 15th. Gun season would usually start around November 20th. That's right. Right. The the weekend before Thanksgiving. Weekend before Thanksgiving. And then when I was a kid, it would run through January 31st. That's right. And so you could, I don't know how many deer that is, but you could kill two deer a day.
1: And, but only one buck a day.
0: But only one buck a day. What a limit, right? Like only, you only get to shoot one buck every day. So a two-year-old walks out. There's not a lot of incentive to pass that two-year-old. That's on, right. on a five thousand acre hunting camp property, no, where everybody right. else is saying, "Hey, he's got four points. Yep. He meets the he meets the criteria for four, the club. So four four he's going points down. Are better. Yep. 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 And that's both sides. Not four points on one. That's right. Four that's points right. on both sides.
1: That's right. In Alabama, they count all of
0: them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it's a it's a it's a <laughs> two point side basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but you've you've never been a. Never been a spike killer, but you were very opportunistic up there in Michigan.
1: I'm uh, very, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything yeah. that comes out, and uh, but in reality, if I didn't kill that spike, and one one and a half year old deer, and it had decent little horns, um, it um, that might be the only deer I saw, yeah, in that hunting time, yeah, and uh, you know the the little one that's that's. By the, by the one that I killed first, that's one of my most memorable hunts is that is it had snowed. It had snowed uh, probably about a foot of snow the night before. We drove in it. Actually, we were out camp jumping, going visiting camps, and my buddy and I, and uh, we were out until th- 2 or 3 in the morning, and we get in, and <laughs> he gets up in the morning and wakes me up, go hunting, go hunting. He's just giving me a hard time. I got up just to go get rid of him. I was going to go take a nap (laughs) in the woods. uh, Probably
0: warmer places to nap
1: at, but warmer, yeah. But you have a little fire. We have little heaters up there. We, my dad, take a little can of, uh, of a, a coffee can, those metal coffee cans back in the day, and you take a roll of toilet paper and you squeeze it into there, and then the old farmers used to use an alcohol base antifreeze in their tractors that's what my dad said anyway but you could buy it at the auto start parts store and so i'd go buy a bunch of gallons of that and i'd pour it onto the onto the toilet paper and you light a match and you have a nice little fire it makes a good heater and doesn't smoke
0: burns for a long time
1: Burns a good while um they used to use charcoal that just made smoke and smell and it was kinda of crazy. Yeah. But uh I'm glad we went with the cleaner version. I almost lit myself on fire a few times trying to <laughs> stay warm. But,
0: uh, well and now thinking about it, who knows what kind of fumes you were inhaling. Like, who knows? You, did, you didn't have the charcoal smoke, but you had whatever carcinogens were flying up out of that little that <laughs>
1: might that might, might be why uh Miss Helen, your mother uh questions me sometimes <laughs> what I'm thinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> killed a few too many brain cells with that with yeah. your makeshift heater but yeah. so anyway so you're going out you're going to get you're going to warm up you're going to take a little nap wherever it is yeah. away from your buddy and
1: i i took i had an old thirty thirty marlin that my dad killed the deer with uh, years earlier when he was that it. it was uh that deer, that gun has a lot of history and uh i gotta get you or your brother to kill a deer with it and then i gotta get the grandkids to kill a deer with it and It'll have had a lot of generations of deer killing. Yep. And uh, I took it with me, and I was shaking snow off every tree limb because if you walked under it, the vibration just have it fall on you anyway. I got to my stand, and it was all covered in snow. And I lit the fire, and the gun was inside. And I sat on an old car seat in there, and uh, it's got my head stuck in there, and I'm trying to clear it out with snow. And I look out the out the opening. There's a, there's a buck staring at me. And it was, uh, it was an eight-point, smaller eight-point. And uh, it was just pretty standing there. It couldn't be 50 yards away. And uh, I was like, okay, if I lean over to shoot that deer, my butt's sticking out of the blind. If I lean over to shoot that deer, I'm going to light myself on fire. <laughs> So I had his old <laughs> old rubber boots with big foam insulation not felt felt insulation in them. You know, felt felt insulated rubber boots. And uh, I used to just step on the fire, but it was freshly lit and still had, you know, I always filled that thing to the brim to get the alcohol, most fire you can get at the first, right, to warm it up. Yep. I try to step on it with my boot and go, shh make a little noise but i couldn't get the fire out and i was like this is getting crazy i finally finally got the fire out and i look and that deer is still there and so i grabbed the rifle and i was leaning over and, and i shot and, I was, and that deer disappeared all snow between me every bit of snow on every limb between me and that deer just come white out conditions mm. and uh, so and it all settled down i went walked up there think it was standing here and i couldn't see it couldn't see blood i was off to the side a little bit and i finally got to where that deer was standing full of pink blood because it went through the wings lungs you know nice pink yeah shade of blood not dark blood not dark blood and i went in and I, i uh i uh tracked it i don't know about 75 yards it was laying down and so i said well ordinarily i'd I would uh, get this deer out and drag it out of the woods, throw it in the truck and go back. That morning I just turned around and went back to the camp and I got my buddy up because he just went back to bed.
0: (laughs) A little little payback for him. And I said,
1: hey, come on, I need help dragging this deer out. (laughs) 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 So I made him come with me. Uh, I did it on purpose. I could have got that little deer out. But uh, it was uh, – that's. Very memorable. My last deer hunt in Michigan was a evening just like that where there was it was so pretty in the trees and and I knew I was moving to Alabama in the in the early winter, and I wondered if it would be my last deer hunt in fiber. And it, uh, to date, it has been. I always reminisce about it, and I'd like to take a trip, but it's just the the my dad's friends either don't hunt anymore, or they've all passed away. Yeah, and uh, and it, it's just I was fortunate enough to hunt with my dad down here. You and I hunted with him a couple of times. Yep, but uh, it it just wouldn't be the same. But it, I, I almost want to go for partridge season one last time. Um, I don't know. Um, but there's so many other things to do. And uh, I don't know if I'll ever get there. And it's such a long ways to go.
0: Yeah. It's what, a 25? 20 20, 21 hours. 21 hours.
1: Yeah, from here up there to my parents' house. And We, we drove it many a times. Had to go to the funerals and all that. Uh, you yeah. Miss Helen, your mother, and I, we, uh, we, we made that drive. I remember one time driving up there. And we, got, uh, we, left, we left you with your aunt, you and your brother. And uh, we get up to the Michigan State line, and I turn over the radio, and I hear Detroit, about 7 o'clock at night, I hear the Detroit Red Wings coming on. I looked over at your mother, and I said, uh, we'll make it all the way home. She said, why? I said, uh, because there's a hockey game on, and I can listen to it, and I'll stay awake the rest of the trip. (laughs) (laughs) We drove about three or four more minutes, and she said, if you don't get me out of this car soon, I'm just going to jump out (laughs) the door. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, we'll stop Uh, at the next exit and get a hotel. I was asleep within, I was going to watch the game. I was asleep in fifteen minutes.
0: Man, we were exhausted. Yeah, you you guys didn't make it much further then.
1: No, we probably two three miles. Your mother was serious; she was going to jump out the <laughs> door. She needed it out of that car.
0: Oh, seeing her do a little tuck and roll off the interstate—that'd be yeah. quite hilarious. Yeah. A,
1: we had a lot of a lot of memorable trips up there. I remember one time, she's driving, we're driving up there, get in Indianapolis, and we get past there. She said, you want me to drive? I said, yeah. yeah." And We were going to go. It was for my dad's funeral. And uh, we were going to go. It was December. And uh, I don't know where we spent the night. I think it was in maybe near Louisville, Kentucky, or maybe near Nashville. So we we could make it the rest of the way the next day. And uh, it started snowing in North Indianapolis. and Your mother's driving. She's driving my pickup. And... uh, there was an accident they had a detour we're driving down the road and taking the detour off these old roads and those bridges i tell your mother don't get too close to the car in front when you go across the bridge don't hit the brakes don't hit the gas and she's <laughs> she's try, she goes stop telling me things i'm driving in white oak conditions she said <laughs> and, I, and I, anyway so she got uh, we got to where she could pull over I said, you drive. I drove. Several hours later, we're up in very northern Michigan. And uh, around Grayling and Gaylord, people may know where that's at. It's up in the snow belt. Probably five, six inches of snow had fallen. It's all on the road, on the interstate. And you now live in Wisconsin, so you'll know this. One part of a four-lane highway, the passing lane, usually has snow in it. And the other has just two tracks that you follow. And I look in the mirror, and here comes this truck. I could see a truck coming up. And I looked over at your your mother, and I said, uh, I said, uh, you want to see what a whiteout condition looks like? She goes, why? I mean, snow was just coming down. I said, because you're fixing to see it in a minute. Mm -hmm. And that truck went by. (laughs) We couldn't see any. I said, that's Uh, whiteout conditions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not too sure she appreciated it. Yeah, I bet not.
0: I bet not. I, I, yeah, I'm sure it, it felt like whiteout conditions the first time when she was seeing that. But yeah. coming from Alabama, we don't have any experience driving in the No,
1: no. In the snow. We've got some ice down here a couple of times. and She'll fool you. She'll put on all her clothes she owns and go out inside and play with the dogs in it and take pictures. and She'll send them to me if I'm wherever I'm at at work or whatever, because I'll i'll brave the conditions and drive on the ice but but uh, she sent me pictures of things i was like you've been outside all day <laughs> she goes yeah i put on this that's about every article of clothing she owns
0: yeah she goes out michelin man style and <laughs>
1: pretty much she yeah. can
0: handle it yeah man. for a few minutes yeah. so do you think you'll ever end up making it back to jones camp then or
1: i hope to um,
0: is it is it still in the family
1: yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Charlie Jones's son's son-in-laws hunt out of it.
0: His son's
1: son-in-laws. Yeah, yeah. So Peter Bush, his it was a stepson. He had some daughters. He had a son too, but I don't think his son hunted much. <clears throat> but his son-in-laws do. Okay. And I think they are keeping the tradition going now. I I know of them. I just don't really know them. Sure, they come along well after I had left, and uh, yeah, it's um, they they're still hunting out of it. In fact, I spoke with Peter Bush not long ago, and he uh, and another one of my dad's friends, uh, Gary Bennett, and uh, they're getting they're getting a little older, but they're both in good spirits, and uh, but neither one of them can hunt anymore. Yeah. Oh. And so you get to that age where we just can't do it. Yeah. And, and going to camp is now. Peter will still go back out to camp. Yep. He doesn't see as well as he used to, but he'll sit around the camp like my dad used to. He had arthritis bad. He'd, oh, I'm gonna sit at the camp and hunt from the table. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now would he? Would he actually hunt from the table?
1: My dad? No. No. Never. He would. Uh, he would simply uh, he would simply drink coffee and maybe make lunch or something. So he never he never would hunt. He he'd walk back there. I had him a nice little stand, and everywhere I, everywhere I went, I would make him a comfortable place to sit yeah. if he chose to go. And uh, but he he just went less and less. Mm. And when he was down here, we took him in corsets. We did a dog hunt that one year at your at your mother's uncle's place. Yeah. And uh you know that's uh, it was good to it was good to have him. Yeah. And, uh, and it's it's he did a good job of introducing me to the outdoors and and so we fast forward down to Alabama and you know I, I lived here for a couple of years we didn't hunt. And then uh, I went home and I think it was my mother's funeral, and my dad said, Do "You want to take a couple of the guns down there, you... I said, yeah, "Maybe." I said, "They have hunting." I said, "I don't know where they hunt at, but they have hunting." But I had to—I had to research it. I didn't know where to go, and uh, so we were at a family event, and I, I spoke with your uncle, and he said, "Well," he said, "we have a hunting camp here," and and we didn't talk about joining it then. We uh, there's public land. Um, not that's, public, but it's it's kind of wildlife preserve land.
0: And that's my uncle Norman.
1: That's your uncle Norman. Yep. Yeah, we hunted with. And, uh, and so you and I started the first year. I took I took the rifle, and took you, and it was bitter cold, and I had an old truck with a broken window. If you remember,
0: I do remember. So I I need so. All right. So today is April first. April first. It, it was warm today. Right. Yeah,
1: it was, I've got a sweatshirt and pajama bottoms on. So
0: now, but it's evening. So, but but we're talking. What's what's normal? So we went what the first time in November, December, probably December. I
1: think it was December. I think it was the week between Christmas because they had a week off. Uh, they had a week hunt, if you remember. Yeah, always. And uh, I think it was the week between Christmas and New Year's.
0: Yeah. So what they what they do here at the WMA uh, that was down the road from us is they would have. So rifle season would be open from November 20th or so through January 31st. But just because rifle season was open didn't mean that you could hunt with a rifle anytime you wanted on the management area. They had specific hunts where you had to go and you'd have two days or four days or whatever. Or one day. Or one day. And you'd have to go to the place, to the little uh, ranger shack there. You'd have to check in in the morning, give them your hunting license, sign in for the day. Then you were free to go to go roam on this place. That's right. And we're talking late December, probably bitter cold. Now, what's bitter cold for Alabama? Because I think back. First of all, we had garbage clothing, not gar oh, yeah. not garbage clothing. We did not have clothing to stay warm in.
1: No, if you remember, we did that hunt because I had my northern clothes.
0: Yeah, well, you the first year you had your northern clothes. I remember wearing wind pants underneath jeans. And as I walked, it would go, and you were like, can you be any quieter? And I'm like, no, I can't. I have literal wind pants. I'm into a hammer out here with, with these pants on. I can't, I can't be any quieter. I'm literally wrapped in plastic right now, but.
1: You know, it's really funny. What's that? Is you tell me these things and you remember them vividly. I have no recollection. (laughs)
0: Well, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I have no recollection of either, but so, all right. So it, it's, we say bitter cold though. What are we, what do you mean bitter cold?
1: In this particular case, people were making icicles with their water taps and, on purpose and the ice never melted for the whole week. So it's yeah. in the twenties, I think it was, if I remember right, it might've been 19. Now this is what I hunted in the North, but down in the South, 19 is cold. Very But what makes it a little bit colder than when you're at is the humidity is still here. Yep. Yep. And so for the people that are in Wisconsin, and you will remember, Josh, when you hit March, now January is cold. February is really cold. Yep. That's when you're going to get below zero. March, you get a couple storms a year. This is what I remember as a kid. Some of the coldest nights I can recall were in March. Because it was only thirty some degrees, but it was bone chilling because it was so humid. Yep, you'd get a bad storm; it'd be wet snow. You get stuck, and you'd have to shovel out, and you'd be like, "Why am I so cold? It's only thirty one degrees. It should be warm, but you're frigid to the bone." Yep, that's what it's like down here.
0: Yep give me Give me a November morning that's fifteen degrees over in in, in Wisconsin over a December morning that's forty. Yeah. here in alabama yeah. just because it's wet and cold and absolutely yeah. horrible
1: yeah so when it was 19 it was it was dry for alabama but it was still humid yep and, and it was pretty bone chilling and we hunted there never saw a thing
0: now we we had an interesting hunt is that's the one where we did a lot of walking mm-hmm. we did a lot of busting brush now Looking back, we were hunting in probably some of the better areas that we could have been hunting in. Yeah. I mean, we hunted some some thick cutovers on the edge of thick of tall pines. So we were hunting edges. We didn't even didn't even know we should be hunting edges, but yep. we were hunting the edges. I remember at one point we were sitting in a spot. You you told me to sit down in this little opening mm-hmm. and you went walking and something ran through. Yep. And we thought it was a dog. Turned out to be a deer. Yeah. Because you weren't quite associated with the size of the animals down here.
1: <laughs> they can be small. They, they can
0: be very small. And by very small, we're talking that deer was probably forty pounds. Yeah. Forty five pounds. It was pounds. a young deer. It was very, probably
1: forty pounds. It yeah. was a young deer.
0: Very, very small.
1: Without its mama. It was it was probably without spots and and without its mama.
0: Yeah. So real tiny deer. We hunted hard. We didn't see anything. We saw some turkeys. Yeah. I, d- I do remember that. And now, so we sat on, we saw a lot of turkeys actually. I think did. a big group of turkeys came out actually. Um, we were sitting on a food plot that evening. And I remember back behind us, I thought I heard the sound of antlers rocking together and a buck rubbing his antlers on a tree. Did Do you remember that at all? Or is that That's something? Not. Okay.
1: All right. But I, But I also don't hear as well as you. But I'm sure you told me about it.
0: Sure. I, I just, as a kid, you know, trying to piece all of that back together. And I think at this time I was thir- I think I was 13 that year. You were. Yeah. I I was 13. So I'm trying to piece all this together. I have no clue what's going on. But I remember, I remember vividly, we were in this area of timber. It's a little more open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a small pine tree on like a little knoll kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what, what the knoll is from, but there was a small pine tree there and a buck had rubbed that pine tree. Yeah. And I remember losing my freaking mind on the inside
1: and we sat on some scrape line there,
0: yep, if you remember right in that in that same yeah. that same area, and I remember just being like, "Oh my gosh, yeah. a deer was in here and rubbed his antlers on this tree that's right, like that right. man, that like rocked me I was like this is this is living, yep, you know,
1: and so we hunted uh that week, and that was the only week I hunted for the whole year. Yeah. Miss Helen is, uh, happy that I didn't take up too much deer hunting back then. Your mama, Miss Helen. And, uh, she was probably pretty happy about it because she hadn't <laughs> been happy since. And, <laughs>
0: we, uh, we changed things pretty quick.
1: Yeah. So I asked you, did you want to go hunting? And you said, sure. So we bought you a 30, 30 Marlin. That's why I started off with, and, uh, the next year, we hunted youth hunt. Um, I think we saw some deer on the youth hunt. We bought uh, more Alabama-style clothes where they were netted and camouflaged, but they're still crap clothing.
0: Yeah, it wasn't going to be warm by any no. stretch, but... Uh, so we saw those two deer on the youth hunt yep. that was on that food plot
1: man they were the smallest deer I've ever seen in my life
0: they were the smallest deer I and mean, they walked out and they were tiny and I yep. think it I think you heard they walked out
1: we heard them walking to us we heard
0: them walking they were coming up behind us yep. and my heart was about to beat out of my chest yep. and I you must have heard me pull that hammer back
1: I did because I told you don't shoot
0: that's right I <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there and I pulled the hammer back as soon as it went click. He said, don't shoot. And they were looking and I was like, oh gosh, but they were tiny. They were teeny tiny. And those deer were a little weird looking.
1: They were very weird looking. I was like, those deer do not look right. They were shaggy.
0: They were shaggy looking and they were extremely. And and I, I've seen other deer called melanistic deer, Mm -hmm. which are basically black. And that's kind of how these deer were. They were extremely dark colored. Yeah. Very, very, yeah. I still have, I've never seen another deer this dark no. in my yeah. life. No. And they were shaggy looking.
1: And I was thinking that's what Alabama deer looked like. Yeah. Man, they're small.
0: Yeah. It, it was a, it was a weird thing. So I don't know if these were two melanistic fawns or, or what, but anyway, so.
1: Thinking fa- back, they're very cute though, weren't they?
0: They were. Really? Yeah.
1: They're very cute. We saw them, what? 15, 20 yards. Oh, my with gosh. no cover.
0: Yeah, no cover. We're sitting in lawn chairs, Yeah. and they're eye-to-eye. Eye. These are the first deer that I've ever had walk up on me while hunting. I got a 30-30 lever action in my lap, and I'm like, I'm about to blast one of these suckers. No. And it didn't happen. No. No.
1: No. And and we didn't see any deer the rest of that season. We hunted the management area only. And uh, towards the end of the season, which is the rut for Alabama, the beginning of the rut, uh, Josh, you explained that it was to January 31st. They've extended the season 10 days to February 10 because the rut is so late.
0: Yep. It was only getting started. Yeah. Those, that last weekend or last week of the season That's right. was you were just starting to see some chasing.
1: And you see back at the back of the property here where you'll see us do some scrapes from time to time.
0: Oh, I was out There's, turkey hunting this morning. I saw scrapes yeah. out there. There's one... Just across the fence, that is just outside of those pine trees, and it's clearly been worked.
1: There's, there's, uh, there are some um, very, very, very late rutting going on. Yeah, right now, it's, it's. I think it's getting later every year.
0: Yeah, we've noted we've noticed that every year a little bit later, yeah. rutting activity for, some last bit. But
1: I pulled you out of school. You're complaining that you were sick but you weren't about to stop hunting.
0: I was sick as a dog. Hey,
1: you were. I Com- don't know how sick you were, but
0: uh Yeah, I was sick. I was sick as a dog, but you pulled me out of school early. We had yeah. one last crack at it. It was it was January 30th. So it was day before the last day of the season. That's right. You pulled That's me right. out. We good. made the drive out to the management area. Yeah. Stopped at Hardy's on the way. Did we? We stopped at Hardy's. Yeah, you got a good memory. Well, I had to get something cuz my throat that's right. I thought my, th- my throat felt like it was closing. Yeah. And I was like, I got to drink something, have something cold on it, something, because I'm I'm not doing okay. Yeah. So we run through the Hardee's, and then we had actually, we went to a food plot that we had found a couple weeks before, a week yeah, before?
1: we went scouting and found it and said this would be a good spot to sit.
0: I had a good trail coming into it yeah. from some yeah. pine trees. Yep. And we thought this would be a good place to sit. And we got there and there was we we thought, okay, well, this is great. We get out, we're spraying down with uh scent free spray. Yeah. <laughs> as did. if that was gonna do anything with yeah. the stench that I was carrying around on all the clothing I had on. But anyway, and a guy comes walking up to us. So you
1: Right through where the field is.
0: Literally walking from the field.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, Oh McGravy, what is this man doing in our area? Yeah i was like well there's I, not a
0: truck to be seen the etiquette is yeah. if you see another truck yeah. you keep on going that's right there's not a truck to be seen
1: don't know where he came from he just walked and uh and go ahead and and tell i
0: don't guy. remember what the guy said other he, than he, are y'all hunting in here
1: no nah, he, he did he asked if we were hunting and i said yeah we plan to hunt that field right there and he said that's good and i saw a seven point he said maybe you'll get on him and i was like well good you know, he went back where he came from, and I looked up, and the man had disappeared.
0: Yeah, well, and here's the creepy part. Now, I'm it's not creepy. I'm not real hocus-pocus.
1: I'm not at all.
0: But we're watching. We're, we're getting out by this field. There's the road that goes down past the field. You can't drive the road, though. It's a closed road, right? right? So the road goes down to the field. We're parked outside where the road turns off, but we can kind of see the very edge of that field. There ain't nobody there. We look up, and there's a man coming old fella old fella in camouflage that looks like it had been left out in the sun yeah it was practically white yeah camouflage faded 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 yep the guy comes up tells us he had been tracking a deer
1: is that what he said
0: he said i'd been i saw it on the other road on the other side now the other road was how far away
1: through i have no idea long ways yeah, not long close
0: way. he said i'd been tracking him and i tracked him down into a swamp I'm like, dude, how in the world are you tracking deer through the pine <laughs> woods of Alabama? You ain't tracking nothing. I I tracked this deer and he went down in there. Maybe you'll get him. And the guy was just jovial about it. Yeah. He was happy we were out there. Yeah. He He's was. like, yeah, go get him. Yeah, and Maybe you'll
1: see him. Maybe you'll see him. Maybe you'll see him. Yeah. And I turn
0: around and look at you. We kind of exchanged looks because it's just a weird, bizarre scenario because the guy's like out of a, out of a Hallmark movie or something. Yeah,
1: nice old fella.
0: Yeah, nice old fella. And we look back up, he he turns to walk back down the road and we could see that road for 150 yards, I'd say, 100 yards,
1: 75. To 75.
0: 100. Okay, when I was when I was 14 or whatever, it felt like yeah. 200. But so but you can see a long way down the road. Yeah. We exchange a look, like wasn't that weird?
1: He wasn't too far off and we exchanged a look.
0: And then we look back up and he's gone. He was gone. Like gone
1: gone. Gone. Because I looked at you and said, Where'd it go?
0: And we said, I have no idea. No idea. Mystery.
1: Yeah. So anyway. We pull lawn chairs out. We pull out
0: our lawn chairs again.
1: <laughs> and if you remember the, the the field was a dog leg. Yep. And I set you in one spot where the big trail was coming
0: in. Yep. Yep. Where the big God. trail was coming in because it was it was coming in to if you're facing the field from the left hand side. That's right. And there's a big brush pile in the middle mm-hmm. of the field.
1: Big, two, two big oak trees.
0: Yep. And, and you got bush. on the far side of that mm-hmm. where you could see the other side of the field. The other side.
1: And I set you up where the big trail was, figured they'd come from your left to right.
0: Yep. And it's January 30th, and it's 70-something degrees. Oh, it was warm. It was hot.
1: And we had these mosquito-netted clothing.
0: Yep. And it's, I mean, it's sweltering. Yeah.
1: It, uh... When it's warm in January, it's warm in January. Yeah, muggy. And I put you in a chair. I got you behind a little tree, some brush. And I said, I'm going to go up there. I said, now listen. I said, I'm just going to watch that field. If they don't come to you, I might would shoot, but I wasn't intending to shoot. And uh, so I went up on the dog leg, found a little spot, put my chair, sat down, and uh, went to sleep.
0: <laughs> you were out It was hot Oh man and I went yeah. to sleep. It was warm
1: And uh, and I look up When I woke up And I bleary eyed I look up and I said That sure does look like a deer Standing right in front of me I look and it started to move I said Oh that is a deer And it was an Alabama deer But it was bigger And it was a buck It was uh, I think if I remember right A seven point wasn't it Six Six point Yep And it walked, and it it started walking across that field. And I watched it walk, it's walking towards you. And it got to the, close to the oak trees and I put the scope on it, looked at it. And I said, Josh, my boy, you need to shoot this deer. I hope you're not sleeping. And uh, I watched that deer and it got past those pine, those oak trees. I was like, I don't have a whole lot. He should, he ought to be in front of you by now. I hope you're not asleep, Joshua. And uh, he uh, he he had about three or four more steps before he's going to be out of my range, and I couldn't shoot him. And I was going to have to pull the trigger because I knew he was in front of you.
0: Well, and in, and in Alabama, this is not a buck you're letting walk. Like, not this on, is
1: not a buck you let walk, especially on management area.
0: Not on this management area. I. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get to what some folks said about it earlier,
1: but. South Alabama. Yeah. South Alabama is different than the Black Belt of Alabama. Yeah,
0: we're, in the, we're in the coastal plain region of Alabama. The that's soil right. is sand.
1: Sand. When I plant my fields here, it's sand. Yep. Everywhere except one field that's clay. Yep. But, uh, yeah, next thing I knew, I hear kapow, and that deer dropped right there in its tracks. Yep.
0: That's yep.
1: Joshua, my boy. <laughs>
0: that's what all i heard i remember hearing good shot josh from from down the field a bit and i i hadn't fallen asleep i was in it to win it this afternoon it's just one of those afternoons that you you feel it and you're kind of just you're on it you know just everything in you has is filled with anticipation and i didn't really know much of anything about rut or whatever at that time point but i did know it was my last time to hunt for the year and I did know I'd been feeling like garbage and I did know speak uh creepy ghost man had just come down and told me I was probably going to get that deer. <laughs> <That's>, and so
1: <laughs> that's still creepy.
0: And I didn't, and I didn't know what was going on with that, but, uh, I'm sitting there, you know, just watching the animals and I see antlers poking out from around that bush. You know, you could see the little clump of stuff and I yeah. see it and I just, I lost it on the inside. I mean, I'm I'm swearing at myself is what I'm doing, actually. I'm <laughs> cussing the whole time like, oh, 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 you know, don't don't mess this up kind of thing. And uh yeah, got the gun up and I remember he had he had taken I think I could see about three quarters of his body. I don't think I could see his butt when I shot him. And uh yeah, hit him in the neck. Yeah. Dropped him yeah. right there. Right there. And uh he was a nice deer. He was a nicer deer. He probably weighed a hundred and to give people perspective, live on the hoof, probably weighed 135 pounds. Yeah, probably. 130 pounds, maybe, something maybe like that. Maybe 140. Yeah. So, but for where we're at, really nice deer. Yeah. So much so, we I remember we took him to the check-in station because we had to yeah. check the deer in. Yeah. And we had guys leaning over the truck bed like... Wow. I've been hunting out here for years. I ain't never killed anything like That's this. That's right. That's right. I've never... We've never seen a deer like this. We've never killed a deer like this. That's right. And we're talking a six-point that I think scored right at 70 inches. That's right. That's right. So he's not a monster. No. About 12 inches inside spread, 11 inches inside spread, something like that. Maybe less.
1: But on a management area that uh, South Alabama, that was a good deer.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that that season I don't think could have gone more perfectly to – get me hooked on hunting
1: and then you had mono
0: yeah so i went <laughs> <laughs> i went to the doctor i guess it was the next day was yeah. it i went to the doctor the next day uh it turns out i had mono yeah. and the doctor was like you've let this go for way too long you've <laughs> you need to stop uh by the way you need to not do any heavy lifting for a while because your spleen might explode from what you've <laughs> let happen to your body. But I knew, I knew though, that the end of that week I was getting to go hunting. Yeah. So I wasn't going to miss out. You know, this had been a season long ordeal at this point. Cause we hunted, we hunted youth season. And That's I think right. we hunted basically every rifle opportunity, opportunity yep. that they had at this management area for yep. the year. So we'd hunted quite a few, quite a few. I mean, we hunted hard when we went, we did, we were out there before daylight. We'd come back to the truck, eat a lunch, take a nap, now go back out and hunt until dark and, um, not necessarily easy hunting either. We weren't driving four wheelers to the spot. I mean, we're parking at gates and walking, you know, and so, yep. Very long walks, everything. Yep. Watching for, for people, you know, having to dodge people, having to find plan A, B, C, D, E and F That's because we'd, you know, Oh, let's run and grab a, grab a sandwich at Subway or whatever. And you come back, and that spot's taken. Well, crap! Let's go. Some, now that spot's taken. Yep. You know, so we had hunted hard all year, <clears throat> and then to find that success through adversity, through weird circumstances on the very. Oh, and I got to mention this too. That deer was wet.
1: Was it that I don't deer remember. was yeah. the
0: deer's body was wet? So he had gone down into a swamp. Yeah. And so whatever in the world that guy was or was doing, <laughs> I have to no <laughs>
1: <laughs> i still think of that sometimes
0: see he that deer went down in the swamp he's gonna come out in this field okay yeah. man whatever
1: yeah uh right. and he sure did
0: so anyway but but that that season the way it had happened i think happened in such a way that i mean it was perfect for me to get hooked on it yeah you know to spend to spend the whole year because we didn't see another deer after youth season
1: no we didn't
0: i mean did not see another deer
1: it was tough hunting
0: very tough hunting. We
1: sat on some nice fields, too. It was amazing we didn't see any deer.
0: We did. They, they, act, You know, to their credit, at, at that old Boykin management area, before they closed it down, they had some really nice food plots. They did. Uh, really did. Really large food plots. I remember we, one we sat on, that big one. How many acres was that?
1: That was good. Might have been a 10-acre field.
0: I was going to say, I yeah. think it must have been 10 acres. Mm-hmm. And they had corn planted in it and had left the corn stubble. On one side and green patch on the other and you, not How a deer. How we
1: didn't see a deer that evening, I don't know.
0: Not a deer came out into that it. It was crazy. Yeah. So, but then, then we got that one on the day before, last day of the season. Last day we were going to be hunting, I believe. Right. Um Man, I was hooked after that.
1: I, I took it off work. I said, this will be the last chance. Yeah. I want to pull you out of school.
0: Yeah. And and then I got weird after that when it comes to hunting. You did. We just we both jumped all in. Yeah,
1: we were all in, and uh, the next year, you know, we went to a family get together. Your uncle helped uh, get that deer skinned out.
0: Yeah, it helped us clean it. He stuck a stuck a chunk of the brain into my mouth. Yeah, that was good which with was mono. Wonderful. Yep. I hope he
1: got mono from that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Your oh. uncle Norman was
1: a good fellow. He was, and nice. uh, he had a little club, and we joined it the next year. Built a couple. Shooting houses for it, if you remember, mm-hmm. and yep. uh, and we hunted there. Um, you saw some deer. I didn't see one or two. Never shot a deer. That's where my dad hunted with us.
0: Yep, yep. And then, we tried waiting on bucks. I saw I saw does several times. We tried waiting on bucks out there, but never did. Never did see a buck.
1: And uh, the next year, then we joined what is traditional Alabama hunting club and a good one and we stayed in a number of years
0: and that is all for this week's episode of the wisconsin sportsman podcast thank you so much for listening tune in next week for part two of this conversation with my dad and uh yeah until then do something to get outside and take advantage of all the awesome opportunities that are ours as wisconsin sportsmen